7 to 8 p.m. Sport On with Tabiso Musia. And from my own point of view, I had had interactions with him. Scorer would come and ask you, Coach, don't you think when this happened, this was the reason and all that? So his contribution was that natural leader, very genuine, very honest, hardworking, trying his best. And there's one thing that Mato mentioned this morning when, when she said Scorer was very fragile inside, but very strong on the inside. So you can imagine a man who appears very strong, but when in essence, deep down in their spirituality, they are as fragile as all of us. And that to me that that to me gave a clear indication of why then was he so sympathetic to the rest of the young ones, the vulnerable and willing to help because he knew how it felt to be vulnerable. So we, we literally lost someone with great influence and a great leader. Listen, longevity is through one thing consistency. You you never you you the, the power of, the staying power purely based on consistency. Had he not been consistent, he wouldn't have lasted long. Now, this tells you what, what, what kind of a man he, he, he was. And he had played many matches, big matches, small matches. He was there with Arosis when they were in the, in the first division. He came up with them and all that. So that tells you about the man who was committed to the club. Mm-hmm. And we, we regret that these are the kind of people you lose in life. But again, you go back to the saying that God normally prepares his best soldiers for the worst battles. And if that be the case here, listen, what more can you say? But may we may we immediately then say we wish strength to the family, the Golden Arrows uh, uh, management players and everybody, and also to him, Skora, may his soul rest in peace and may his soul be a blessing. Thank you for those wise words uh, and comforting words, Coach Steve Compella, the Golden Arrows uh, head coach, as we remember um, his late former player, now Unganyiso Mgwengwe, who passed away uh, this morning. Uh, good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on SAFM Spot on this evening. I am Tabiso Musia, Katlaho Mudiba and Timothy produce the show, and Sylvester Komane is our technical uh, producer. And we'd also like to send our condolences to the family of Unganyiso Mgwengwe and the club. We will speak to the club later and also hear from a family a spokesperson person about the untimely death of Unganyisom Gwengwe. Passed away at about 2 a.m. this morning uh, from what we heard uh, from the family. He was fine. There was nothing wrong with him last night. Uh, there was no signs that he's not well at all and they are as shocked and uh, as all of us about his uh, timely passing uh, of this golden uh, th- about this untimely passing of this golden arrows a player. So we're going to do that later on on the show. But before all of that, we want to talk comrades first. Comrades Marathon that is. A lot of you have expressed your Unhappiness with our unhappiness with our comrades has been cancelled. So we've invited the Comrades Marathon Association just to come and uh, speak to us and just clarify uh, the issue of refunds and what happens to entries and uh, all of that after it was officially cancelled last year. And then we will discuss the issue of transfers in rugby. I know many people were caught by surprise when they found out that uh, last week Thursday it was transfer deadline day in SA rugby. They had no idea there was a deadline day in rugby, but this was a special case. So we're going to find out why it was and who moved where and what is happening with Peter Steph to Toy because we hear he's turned down a multi-million rand offer from France, but then he hasn't signed with the Western Province also. Uh, so what does that mean? And why did Makazole Mapimpi turn down 9 million rand from Japan to stay in South Africa? So we're going to discuss all of that later. But you can send us your questions or your comments on our voice note on WhatsApp uh, 
to this number 061-4104-107. If you prefer to call, you can call us on 891 if you want to weigh in on any of our conversations uh, tonight. And our SMS number is 41391. But we're going to talk comrades first. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. So then let's get a word from uh, the chairperson of the Comrades Marathon Association, Cheryl Wynn, who joins us on the line just to talk about the cancellation of this year's race due to COVID-19. Cheryl, good evening and thanks for finding time to speak to us on SAFM tonight. Good evening, Tabisa, and thank you so much for inviting me, and good evening to the listeners. Thanks, Sharon. I would imagine, though, the decision to cancel Comrades this year wasn't taken lightly. It's not something that you would have been able to foresee. Well, I mean, it sort of came out as, as a bolt out of the blue. I mean, here we were looking forward to that staging of the 95th Comrades Marathon. We're in the 99th year of the of, of the race, looking forward to staging 95th, and then again next year celebrating our centenary. And things were going so extremely well. We had a record field of entries. Um, and, and all of a sudden, at the beginning of March, you know, the entire world was turned upside down, by which time we were already nine months into the planning of, of, of the um, 2020 Comrades Marathon. It, it indeed came as a huge shock. And, it was, and I think we did everything we could possibly have done to have saved the race. Um, we had tremendous support from Athletics South Africa and Natal Athletics and as you know um, we first made, eventually made a decision to postpone the race and um, we had been assured by KZNA and ASA that they would do everything to assist us in finding an alternative date but when it eventually, you know, we came to the realization that it just wasn't going to be possible before the end of September um, we had no option but to cancel because you know, I don't know whether you're from Durban or where you're from, no. but if you know the, the the weather in Durban, I mean, it gets very hot and humid from October onwards, and we just didn't feel that we could actually stage a race of that magnitude um, in the hot months of the year with the hot heat and the humidity, and our runners running for 12 hours throughout the hottest time of the day. So it was a really, really sad and heartrending decision that we had to make. But I mean, we are absolutely convinced that it was the, that it was the correct one. It's the best interest of our runners, our six thousand volunteers that work on the day, and you know, just in general, in, in the best decision in, in the interest of the people of South Africa. So basically, was it safety first then? Because I was going to ask about the rate, maybe being the race being moved to September. Some of the athletes we spoke to were keen on racing in September, even though some, like you said, felt that it would be maybe the conditions won't be ideal. Are you saying that it was a safety issue first? Well, we we, we felt that we could go as late as the end of September. That was that was sort of our deadline. We said we can stage this race as long as we get it in by the end of September, because we look obviously at the historical weather conditions. Um, you know, that, that the records that have been kept for, I don't know, probably 100 years. And we looked at up until the end of September, we still felt that it would be reasonable and safe for us to stage the race. But in recent weeks, it's, you know, become apparent that, um, you know, we're, we're anticipating that the cor- coronavirus numbers are going to peak at, towards the end of, of August, September. We're certainly convinced that, I mean, the social distancing is going to carry on. There's no way that we were going to be able to line up 27,500 runners in front of the Peter Maritzburg City Hall shoulder to shoulder in terms of 
social distancing and, and all that sort of And when we finally came to the realization that it just wasn't going to be able to happen by the end of September, we thought, well, you know, we really, it's only fair that we must make the call now in fairness to our runners who are desperately trying to keep themselves fit and at a reasonable level of fitness within the terms of the lockdown regulations. And I mean, it just, we just finally realized it just wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, 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 were, we were absolutely confident that we could have done it up until the end of September. But when we saw it wasn't going to happen by the end of September, that's when we had to make the call. And I saw the decision then was made exactly a month before the scheduled uh, original race of the Comrades, which was June 14. You made the decision on the 14th of May. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional? Because some say maybe it was left a little bit too late. No, you know, it was a decision that we made in stages. I mean, we, you know, if you, if you recall, right at the very beginning, we made a decision when we first, you know, it, it was back in March. Um, in the early days, even before the lockdown, we made a decision that at that stage it would have been premature to to to, to sort of postpone or cancel the race. Um, a month after that, we made the decision that we would postpone the race, provided we could have it before the end of September. And then finally, we you know just gradually time ran out. Um, I think we made the decision a few days before um, the the fifteenth or fourteenth of. of of May, but we actually finally made the, the decision. We made the announcement on the 14th. Um, obviously, there were a lot of consultations with Natal Athletics and, and ASA, and a lot of people said to have said to me that must have been tough negotiations. It wasn't. I can't even call it negotiations because we're basically all on the side. We all had the same interests and, 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 and priorities, and but it was just. You know, basically a consultation. We needed to discuss it with our sponsors and, you know, the, the certain stakeholders that were involved. So the, the, the decision was probably taken a few days beforehand, maybe five, five or six days beforehand. It just took us that time to consult before we actually made the announcement. Yeah. Um, but the runners had already been warned that it wasn't going to take place on the 14th of June. They had been warned a month before, yeah. And do you consult with the runners? Are they represented when you have these consultations? You know, we have we have so much feedback from our runners. Our you know, comrades runners are, they talk a lot. We get so much through social media. We have, you know, our our, our um, email uh, online at comrades dot com. We we have top athletes that we talk to regularly. We talk to their their representatives, and you know, so we 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 take their considerations, their recommendations, not their recommendations, their suggestions. We certainly take them into into account when we're making decisions but um you know it's there's there's no formal structure whereby you you consult with runners no there's no there's no sort of athletes representative group um but but we certainly do get so much feedback from our runners we you know we regularly do surveys and yeah, I can't say that we, we we didn't take runners' views into into consideration. In fact, you know, it, it, it's quite interesting. We we try to analyze the the feedback that we get from social media, and mm. you know, it's 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 sort of almost equal. You get those people who say you should cancel and we told you so and that kind of thing, and then you get those that you know are just so incredibly supportive and they say we we trust you to make the right decision and. You know, and yeah, we just have to, at the end of the day, we have to take everyone's considerations into account. Not just, we have to say, obviously, we always put our runners' interests first, but there's sponsors' interests, there's, there's the interest of the volunteers, and even the question of whether or not we would 
would even be able to attract the volunteers. You know, mm. are you you know people people are people going to put their li- their own lives and their own health and safety at risk when you know everybody's scared right now. It's it's really really this whole coronavirus COVID thing. It's it's, it's a nightmare. It's, it's turned all of our lives upside down. We're all having to make sacrifices. All we're hoping right now is that we can all come back stronger and you know get on with life next year. And uh, obviously the big uh, sore point now for some of the runners is the issue mm. of the refunds. They don't understand why they won't be refunded. They are entry fee. What did you make of the reaction and how do you respond to that? Well, in a way, we're a little bit you know, sort of taken aback by the reaction. But, but I also understand. I think that maybe we didn't give our runners enough information. And, and right at the moment, we're in the process of compiling a communication that's going to go to every single runner, just explain, explaining exactly where... It all came from, you know, we have, uh, we have a, a philosophy of comrades that, which, you know, which we call runners first. And by which when I say that we put the interest of our runners first, that is always number one. But our number two consideration is also that we have to sustain this race. And quite frankly, um, at this stage, can't afford to refund entries. If, if, if we had to refund entries, we don't know if we would be able to stage a race next year. I mean, you'll know that, you know, all the sporting bodies are under tremendous pressure right now. This came as a huge shock. This, you know, it's like pulling a rug out from underneath us that, you know, all of a sudden we're nine months into the planning of a race. We've already, you know, we paid salaries for nine months. We've you know, sort of paid rent, electricity, all sorts of things. We've purchased a lot of the stuff that we're going to use on race day. Much of it is dated and it can't be carried forward to the following year. So if, if, if we literally cannot afford to refund all the entries. Um, but, and on the other hand, there's also the question of carrying the entries put forward, which is mm. pretty much the same thing, because then where do we get the funding to stage next year's race? So it, it really was not an easy decision. Um, it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect um, solution. But we do believe that the solution that we came up with is is fair to the runner. We're giving the South African runners more value. Than, what we're giving to them is exceeds the value of the 600 rand entry fee that they paid. Now, with regard to the international runners, it's a completely different situation. Firstly, they don't pay 600 rand. They pay 3,800 rand. And the reason they pay that, is because we make certain facilities available to our international runners over the period of expo and 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 on race day. Um, obviously, those are facilities that they now will not be be benefiting from. And to give somebody a T-shirt and and and, and the other reason, sorry, the other reason why we we charge them three thousand and eight hundred grand is because you know to come and run the comrades marathon for many of our international runners, it's like a bucket list wish. It's something they're going to do once in their lifetime, and they really look forward to it. So it's an established sort of um, practice at in major international races throughout the world that you have one price for your domestic athletes and you have another price for your foreign athletes. So that we, that's how we justify it. Firstly, we give them a little bit more um, benefits around the race. And then we are able, because we charge them a premium, we are also able to use those funds to cross-subsidize our South African entries. And that enables us to keep our South African entries as low as we possibly can. Because one of our, our, our main objectives 
is to keep our entry fees as low as they can because we want our race to be as access as accessible as possible to all South Africans. So then we can't, you know, we can't sort of. Our feeling was we can't take their 3,800 rand and now offer them a T-shirt and a goodie bag that's worth about 850 rand in exchange for their 3,800. So we've offered them the, the t- that they can carry their entry um, forward to next year and over the following year, one or the other, not not both. Um, I know it's not perfect, and I know it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right when you put it in a little meeting or you put it into two sentences. But as I say, we are in the process of writing a, a, a long letter, which is going to each and every one of our runners, where we're going to explain it in detail. And I do believe that when they see exactly our reasoning behind it, I think that they will understand. And, and, and even so, we're still saying it's not perfect, but we believe it's the best we can do to protect uh, to be fair to our athletes and also to protect the future sustainability of this race. This race is part of our national heritage and it's our obligation to keep it going. I mean, that's why we're talking about it. We don't talk about every little race on the weekend. But the Comrades Marathon is something special. It's, 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 it's symbolic and it's to, to the whole, you know, to the country. It's, symb- it's certainly symbolic to the and and economically um, imperative to the sport of athletics. And so, yeah, we, we just feel that responsibility and we feel that when the runners really adequately understand the, the, the rationale behind the decisions, I think that they will probably feel differently about it. Okay, we've just got a voice note here, Cheryl, um, and just two calls before we let you go. Let's go to the voice notes. We're speaking to the chairperson of the Commerce Marathon Association just about the decision uh, to uh, cancel the race for 2020 and, uh, and uh, also the issue of the refunds. Hi, Tabiso. Uh, Zico Smith, all the way from Macau. Tabiso, what costs or, or expenses did the comrades uh, organizers incur in, in preparing this year's race? And then why can't they pay back the, the runners? Like, did they use the money already, if yes, in doing what? You know, like, because, like, maybe they can pay them back half or 75%, but for them to say they cannot pay back the runners, I really don't understand it. Thank you. Okay, thanks for that, Zico. Uh, Cheryl, he wants to know what costs were incurred uh, during this time when you're preparing for the race. Okay, well, can I? Okay, I, I think I already mentioned that. You know, when COVID nineteen hit, we were already nineteen—I mean, nine months—into the planning of the of, of the next race. So we were at the beginning of March. Our race was due to be held less than three months later. So by then, firstly, we'd paid salaries for nine months. We'd paid electricity, rent, marketing, um, IT services, commissions. Um, we, we paid deposits on venues. We, and then we had gone out and we had purchased a lot of the, the stuff that we need to stage the race. We, by, by, the, by the time we first heard about COVID, our T-shirts had already been manufactured, our goodie bags, our runner's caps. Um, we were fortunately able to stop production of our medals and, and, and also the printing of the gold medals. And there were certain things like obviously for refreshment stations and things like that. You can't order that stuff until the, you know, much later, very close to the race. Obviously we didn't proceed with that sort of stuff. But, but really, um, once you get to a point where you're planning a race for a whole year and now nine months into it, all of a sudden, you, you know, you, 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 you're not now having the race. You, you've expended 
sizable portion of the budget already. And then, furthermore, we now have to continue to carry on that organization for the next six months until we get income coming in again next year in January and February. We have 18 full-time employees. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm explaining all of this in mm. the letter which, which I'm going to be sending to each and every entry. And I think that they will understand a bit better. Um, you know, we're really sorry we're not in a position to refund. And we're also hoping our board will certainly consider suggestions that we've had insofar as hopefully, you know, giving people who entered in 2020 the first opportunity to enter in 2021. The other thing that we will hopefully be able to consider is in 2021 allowing people that entered in 2020 to enter at 2021 at a discounted rate. So, we, you know, we always, always try to be fair and put the interest of our runners first. But, but we can't make promises right now that we're not going to be able to keep. We don't know right now if next year in June we're going to be able to accept 27,500 entries. We don't know what kind of limitations are going to be imposed on us as a result of this COVID thing. Some people are saying COVID's going to be with us until the end of 2021. So we don't know if next year we're going to be told, well, you can't take 27,500 entries. So then what happens if we've already promised people that they'll be able to get in? So, you know, we're, we're very aware of the wish, wish, wishes of our runners. We're very, very aware of the sacrifices that they've made, and we will take them into consideration, and we will do make hopefully make the best possible decision that we can in the interest of the runners. Okay, we have got, I think, two runners here on the line. Ketso Khatlisi uh, is part of the We Are Runners movement and a coach there. Ketso, good evening. Thanks for joining us on SAFM. Uh, evening, Sabisa. How are you doing? We're fine, thanks. What's your comment here? Because the big issue is the refunds. Um, I think uh, the whole purpose of runners wanting a refund uh, stems from the fact that that the, the associations did not have transparency in terms of how they were handling matters. So, which then pushed a lot of people to a point where there isn't any trust in terms of how internal affairs of, 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 of races are being handled. Because last year, I'll make an example of, there was an open letter that exposed some of the mismanagement of funds that was happening at two, uh, with the Two Oceans uh, race, and that race got cancelled. So now there's a lot of fear and questions that are looming about the fact that could this be the same thing that's happening at Cambridge? Is the fact that Cambridge is not forthcoming with information also trying to cover up mismanagement of funds? So there's, 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 there's worry. There's, uh, people are being uh, put in a position where they have a lot of unanswered questions. Mm. And the fact that now Cambridge is coming after the fact to say, oh, yeah, by the way, these are some of the things that we had in mind with because I feel that they are now saying these statements because of a backlash that they're getting from runners because they have not been consulting with runners in any structures of running. Okay. Uh, let me also take Matogo there. Uh, Matogo. Is this Matogo the bus driver? Matogo, good evening. <laughs> yeah, good evening, everyone. Are you the famous bus driver at Comrades? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. bus driver coverage. What's your comment here? What's your view here, Motok? Yeah, with uh, 
the refunds, uh, you know, even on the website, they said, no, there's no refund and so on. You know, runners just need to run. Mm. It doesn't matter what is happening and uh, like what is happening now uh, with the uh, COVID, uh, with the pandemic. Mm. We do understand. And uh, yes, next year, what is going to happen? We're going to start again, pay you know, wage uh, again, qualify, and so on, mm. you know. And uh, with most of the runners, especially those I run with, we uh, are so unhappy that they, we pay 600 for T-shirts on what we're going to get and so on. You know. So you also would have liked a refund or to run next year? Matogo. Uh. Yes, uh, the refund was going to be better. Uh. And uh, if not the refund next year to run, not to register again. Okay, thanks for yeah. that. Let's get Cheryl, just your, your, your response to those two questions. The first one was about transparency. They're saying that there's a lack of trust and they're talking about issues of mismanagement last year. Okay, no, no, they, uh, sorry. I just need to, to clarify that you're talking about alleged mismanagement in the two oceans, if, I'm, if I heard him correctly, mm-hmm. because I have never heard any allegations of alleged mismanagement at Comrades, and I can't speak on behalf of Two Oceans. I am aware of those allegations, and I, and, and, I, and I can see where once those kind of allegations are made, they tend to stick, and then you move them on to the next one. But I am mm. unaware of any allegations with regard to man, mismanagement of, mm. at the Comrades Marathon Association, and, and, and I stand absolutely stand by that. Mm. Um, Okay, so I can't really respond. That's fine. Um, And the issue, would you say the CMA was open with the athletes because they believe that there's no transparency or that there's no openness and you are reacting now after the fact, after the backlash? Okay, so it is a pity that it does appear that way. I I think I also said right at the very beginning of this thing, there's a limit to how much information you can put into a media release. (laughs) You put into a media release, and you, you, you know, it, it, it's sort of a one or two pager, and you're making this announcement. That's what you put into it. And now, and, and and from the very beginning, from the moment that media release went out, we have our, our officials have been available for media inquiries, and we've consistently given the same feedback and been prepared to give the same kind of feedback. And now we've realised that it's not quite adequate. And so we're going to give it in detail to each and every runner because it's obviously not feeding through. It, you know, communication is a difficult thing. I think we have tried to be, we, we certainly endeavor to be transparent and, and to communicate with our runners. You know, how much information is too much information? Uh, the, every runner is going to receive a letter and it's going to be about four pages long. And I hope they read it because I think if they do read it, they will begin to get an understanding of what goes in to the staging of a race of this magnitude. And they might begin to understand that when you get nine months into the planning and preparations for a race of this magnitude, and all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from underneath your feet, you might not be in a position to, to, to backtrack and do that. Uh, sort of does thing. that not go the same for the runners, though, who prepare for the whole year to get to comrades and it book is, accommodation? No, exactly and, and, and we feel for that. We feel we, we, Our heart bleeds for it, really. We feel terribly for it, but... What can we do? We, we we are not in a position to be able to refund okay. all those injuries. That's bottom line. We're not. Do the runners want Comrades Marathon to go bankrupt 
that's the end of the Comrades Marathon. Is that what we're talking about? I don't believe that's what the runners want. I think what we need to do is we need to explain exactly the details to the runners so that they can begin to understand how we arrived at the decision. One, to be fair to the runners, and two, to protect the, the sustainability of the race going forward. And I think they will begin to understand when they, you know, that when they get to that point. Okay, we'll take Lizzie as the last call in Jobek. Lizzie, good evening. Thank you for taking my call. As a retired senior public relations professional, may I give Cheryl some advice? And I suggest that she speak to someone who teaches her how to stop whining. I have heard several interviews with her this year. The whole world is devastated. Everyone has had to cancel everything, including the Tokyo Olympics, which cost a great deal more than the commerce. And all she does is whine. Okay, thanks for that call, Lizzie. Cheryl? I really have nothing to say to that. Okay. Do you do you maybe believe that you you are sensitive to the runners? You understand their plea because it seems like you keep talking about the cost that you've incurred as comrades, but not not about the runners and what they were to go through to qualify for the race and to register. And even those that were substitutes, I mean, there was a window open for substitution during this COVID nineteen crisis, and they were still allowed to uh, to register, and they're not getting that money back. I think that we have been very clear that we are painfully aware of the amount of. of, of of months of training that our runners put into preparation for the Comrades Marathon. There's no question about that. We appreciate it. We respect it. We we are really sorry for it. We can't be blamed for for the COVID-19 pandemic. We can't be blamed for the fact that this happened. And we are painfully sorry for our runners that they have put in so much time and effort. And, and, and we will do everything we can to to accommodate them and make amends to them going forward. Um, the second part of the question I missed, sorry. No, I think the last part question, we, um, Cheryl, we're going to have to move on. But can comrades survive without the runners? What if the South African runners say next day they're not taking part because they're not happy with your decision not to refund? We can't refund. That's what I'm but telling you. No, I'm saying the question is, a, can comrades not, survive without the runners? What I'm telling you is that we're, we're in a position where we cannot refund. That's, that, that's the bottom line. We're not in a position to be able to refund. Them. That's fine. You keep the money for next year, but the runners don't come next year. Will you survive? Will you have a race? We don't even know what's going to happen next year. I can't, I can't answer that question to be so we are doing the best we can. Uh, bottom line, that's, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're taking the best decision we possibly can, taking into account the interest of the runners, the health and safety of the runners, the health and safety of our volunteers, the, the reputations of our sponsors, and all of those factors that we have to take into consideration. We, we have taken what we believe is the fairest, best decision, not the perfect decision, but the fairest and best decision that we possibly can. Ultimately, does it go back to the rules? Because the rules are clear that no refunds. Well, that's exactly, and, and that's, you know, that's the rules under which the, the, every runner accepted when they entered the race. And there are far bigger events than the Comrades Marathon that have suffered exactly the same sort of consequences. So, yeah. 
we'll just have to go with it. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks for speaking to us and thanks for your time, uh, uh, Cheryl. Thank you to be so. Thank you very much. That's the chairperson. Thank you, Cheryl. Good evening to you too. That's the chairperson of the Comrades Marathon Association, Cheryl Wynn, saying that there was nothing that they could do, folks. But Ketso, you're still on the line. I wanted you to hold on because you were the first caller. I asked if you're still there. I asked Cheryl about whether athletes were consulted here and she says that there's no formal body. Is there no formal body that represents athletes because a lot of people are unhappy? Do you not have a union or something like that? No. All the, all the athletes that run Comrades, they're part of running clubs. Mm-hmm. And I feel that communicating to at least a chairperson or a secretary general of a running club might have sufficed. And also having the, the, the discussions um, with, with the relevant people. But my biggest concern about, about the statement is that if they say there's nothing they can do as their association as they're protecting losses. Take, for example, a person who, an average person that runs Comrades. Not everyone that runs Comrades has 600 rands lying around. Mm. And, and you look at where we are right now. A lot of people say, for example, some people are domestic workers and, and, and so forth. And most of these people are probably sitting at home. If you then get a 600 refund or they refund you half the amount of the race entry. That would have gone a long way. So, mm-hmm. so these are some of the challenges that you, that, that, that runners go through on a day-to-day basis. The sport, the sport and, and, and in its entirety and what Comrade stands for means a lot because it's a sport that gives runners a hope and, 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 and it, it, it unites people in, in such a great manner. So it's, 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 it's sad to hear organizers speak like this and say, there's nothing we can do. Tough. We should have read the fine print. Do you, do you, do you, do you feel that they have little disregard for athletes? Because a lot of people are saying so on uh, Twitter. Yes, Pamandla says, uh, what makes me mad is that they continue taking money during the substitution period. Gosinati Wall says it appears to me that they wanted to maximize the profits and the spokesperson does not care about our concerns. Guess what? They're still taking money today because they opened up a virtual race where you pay 150 rand. To run 90 kilometers in your own in your own neighborhood. I actually saw that. So, is it not time for a union then, the South African Runners Union Association, or something like that? I'd like to believe that CGA and Athletic South Africa should be safeguarding such uh, such such behavior. Uh, even though ASA was part of this decision, though. Um, I guess I guess there needs to be a change in how running is being run in this country. Mm. And for you, Keto, how have you been affected? Had you qualified? Were you going? Had you booked accommodation? Were you waiting to book? So personally, for me, um, I, I had qualified. Um, I had not booked accommodation as yet uh, yeah. because uh, I kind of preempted something might happen. But uh, I know of a lot of people because what our movement has, is it has over 4,000 people on Twitter mm. where we share uh, communication about what our frustrations are about running. And there's multiple WhatsApp groups. So I've got, received feedback of where people have paid money, uh, have booked flights in advance so that they could uh, get the best prices possible. So some people were managed or able to, 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 to get refunds. Mm. Some people weren't. So there's a lot of money that people have lost personally over and above the race entry fee. And she says it was in the rules in black and white. No, she says it was in the rules. Yes, it was. 
Okay, we're going to have to leave it there then. That's uh, Aketso uh, from We Are Runners Movement and he's the coach there just sharing with us uh, their frustrations about the non-refunds of the Comrades Marathon 2020.